having to change where they live as young children, how can that affect a child's development and, I guess, trust? Well, that's what it's affecting, is their, is their trust. If, you know, if a child is removed and, you know, just constantly with Hi everyone, you're listening to the Seeking Refuge podcast, a podcast sharing the human stories of refugees. Today's episode centers around the childhood development and attachment of refugee children. Our guest for today is Dr. Mary Ellen Warren, and I'm today's host, Isha Hegde. Hello everyone, it's Isha here. According to UNICEF, Worldwide, more than 33 million children have been forcibly displaced at the end of 2020 alone. This number includes some 11.8 million child refugees. This semester, I had the opportunity to take a class titled Young Children Should Be Seen and Heard. This class centers around the first five years of life and how pivotal they are to overall healthy development. I got to interview my professor for this class, Dr. Mary Ellen Warren, a member of the Department of Psychiatry within our local hospital system, and she focuses on early childhood and infant mental health. Through our interview and throughout our class, I got a grasp on how important these first five years of development are for children and how a lack of stability within these years can cause major detriments in the future. Hi, Dr. Warren. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. I'm glad to be here. As you know, I'm teaching a course here in the Honors College on infant and early childhood mental health. So that's uh, something that I'm very interested in. I'm a psychologist. I work with young children and their parents. um, And have just always been really interested in that age group and trying to help help parents with um, challenges and challenging behavior. So our class really focuses on the first five years of development in children. Uh, Can you just explain why the first five years of development are really crucial and important for children? Sure. Um, Well, as we've talked about in class, it's an amazing amount of brain development that's going on during those first five years. There's so many uh, important connections being made and this is not something we can, you know, go back and do later. So there's just, you know, as we talked about, it all starts with relationships um, and those really important relationships for young children and what goes on between a child and their caregivers with that give and take and, and back and forth is just a crucial foundation for their um, their development and their learning. So if you, you know, don't mind me asking, and we've covered this in class, but just for our listeners, in the first five years, it is really important for a child to have their parents sort of as a role model or, you know, and have peers around them that are kind of similar to them, right? Well, having their parents or other caregivers as, you know, their attachment figures and that, you know, predictable, reliable relationship that they can count on and trust, that is, is, you know, 
a very critical foundation for them as they then go on and learn and become more independent. And yes, they will then go on to develop relationships with peers and, and you know, they'll have success in those relationships when they've had that really good, strong, reliable trust early on in their lives. So kind of moving on, a lot of the, you know, people or our podcast centers around refugees. And so oftentimes we see individuals who are completely separated from their primary culture or like their majority culture that they've grown up in. So how can this separation from a primary or majority culture affect a child in their early development? Well, it really depends how it's affecting their their parents. So, you know, if they're, the child is really going to be responding to the atmosphere and the, you know, the stress or, or whatever that their, their parents are going through. So if, if they're separated completely from all of their family, all of their friends, everything that they've known, um, you know, obviously they're, they're going to benefit from still having their parents and their siblings with them and as, you know, as well as they can function and, and try to be there with them and provide some stability, that's going to be good for the children and, you know, if they have friends or neighbors or extended family from their culture that are, that are with them, that would be beneficial and if they can settle with others that come from their original community or culture where the language is similar and customs and that that would be beneficial so it really depends on I guess how much they're removed and how isolated they are how stressed and um, you know devastated their parents are that's mm -hmm. what's going to make a difference for the children especially the very young children mm -hmm. and so right now you just said it really depends on the parent state Yes. how the kids end up reacting yes, in these situations. The really young children, 100%. And oftentimes, like, there's been research done that a lot of these children end up being separated. So child refugees end up being separated from their parents. Maybe it's for a short period of time or for a really long extended period of time. So how can that separation um, from a child's parent affect their early development? Yeah, and we kind of touched on that. Huge, huge effect huge effect on their development can be very, very traumatizing. If they're now, if, if they're separated from one parent but they still have another parent or mm -hmm. other caregivers or grandparents or family members or someone that they know, then that's going to be better, mm -hmm. obviously, and they, they will be okay if they're separated from just one of their parents. But if they're completely separated, like we had a situation you know, in the United States last year at the border where children were separated from their, their parents, that, that can be very, very devastating and traumatizing. So even if children are separated from their parents, let's say they have kind of like a teacher or another caregiver, is that still going to affect their 
development negatively um, just because that individual may not be as close to them as their parents? Or is that a little bit better than them just being, I guess it is better than them just being all alone, but. Oh yes, if they can have another very, you know, responsive adult step right in Mm -hmm. and, you know, help them through that very difficult um, emotion and be there reliably, consistently for them, you know, and becoming that attachment figure, then that's going to be very helpful. And helpful. And we talk about them get through it. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this so much in class, but just for our listeners, what do children briefly, you know, really need from their parents or like caregivers within these first five years? In terms of attention and just, I guess, yeah, attention. Well, just like some of the things we talked about in class, just that uh, responsive, nurturing, you know, trusting relationship, um, just knowing that the parents are there for them and they can rely on them and they um, can go to them when they need them and helping them through those difficult emotions and mm-hmm. um, providing a predictable predictable schedule obviously all their basic needs mm-hmm. be, obviously meeting their basic needs but it's just that that close relationship and why do you everything. and why do you think that predictability is so important for young children well they they tend to do better with uh, you know especially even as they go to a child care or you know a preschool, those predictable schedules are always helpful and comforting to children, and you know definitely help with their behavior when they just kind of they know what's going to happen and they know what's going to happen next, and it's it's always the same. It, it just helps relieve some of the stress and improves their behavior and. A lot of us benefit from from, yeah. from the routine. You mm-hmm. know, it's not as you know what's gonna happen next. And I know, like I personally, ever since I was a young child, always have loved routine. Like my mom had me on a pretty strict like schedule, especially as a toddler. And I just can't imagine how that might affect these children. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting to see how a lot of children end up liking these stringent routines or need what you know I consider now a stringent routine like need that nap time need that snack time yes. need socialization for bedtime you know have consistent bedtime getting enough sleep and um, you know those nighttime bedtime routines are very comforting for children a lot of parents are encouraged by the peri- pediatricians to have a little routine and mm-hmm. you know get the children to bed on time and try to be predictable that way and Finally, how can extreme trauma, so I'm ex- extrapolating this to, you know, being from a war-torn country or kind of this, I guess we see it now in the foster care system as well in a very different light, like, you know, being pulled out from a home immediately or, you know, constantly having to change where they live as young children. How can that affect a child's development and, I guess, trust? 
Well, that's what it's affecting. Is there is there trust? If you know, if a child is removed and you know just constantly with new and different caretakers, and they're not having that stability and predictability, and they're not forming those stable relationships, then it'll make it harder for them to develop relationships Themselves. in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like. Would you say that they have a very insecure attachment with yeah. others and with themselves? Yeah, or? they may, yeah, certainly they might. My conversation with Dr. Warren really hinged on the discussion of attachment. Within our class, we talked about a specific psychologist, John Bowlby, and his attachment theory. Bowlby's theory of attachment centered around the fact that children are biologically programmed to connect with others and that the nature of a young child's attachment to their primary caregivers will be internalized later on in their life. A securely attached child will be able to explore and interact with the world in a mature and healthy way, unlike an insecurely attached child. This really caused me to consider the extreme detriment young refugee children must be going through without a firm or expected secure attachment within their life. Within our class, we touched on how Bowlby determined that even a short-term separation from a parent or caregiver could cause a child to go through three stages of anxiety. The first stage is protest. In this stage, the child will probably cry, scream, and get angry when an attachment figure goes away. The child tries to hold on to the attachment figure so that they don't leave. The next stage is despair. Within this stage, the protests of the child begin to fade and seem to be weaker. Even if they still exist, the child is pretty much disinterested. Finally, the third stage of extreme anxiety is detachment. If this separation continues, the child will start interacting with new people. He or she will reject the person on their return and show signs of extreme anger. By going through this extreme anxiety at such a young age, children change how they interact with those around them, even in the future. Studies have shown that children with more secure attachment within their childhood and even later in their life have lower cortisol peaks in response to stress. Cortisol is also known as the stress hormone and high levels of cortisol within the body can progressively cause many dehabilitating health effects in the future. Through this podcast episode, I've discovered that oftentimes it is the children, the most vulnerable, who are forgotten in the crossfire. Through this class, alongside the help of Dr. Warren, I found that ensuring children from extremely traumatic situations have at least some form of attachment could really help them not only have a secure present, but also a secure and healthy future. I guess the question still lingers. How do we make sure that refugee children are hitting those developmental milestones? How do we make sure a secure attachment is being endorsed? I'm going to be referencing UNICEF again, and I highly encourage you all to do so as well. Recently, UNICEF released a statement with six actions to protect all refugee and migrant children. One of the first calls to action directly parallels what Dr. Warren and I spoke about, identity. 
UNICEF urges individuals to press for actions on the causes that uproot young people from their homes and include them in mind when facilitating peaceful conflict resolutions. At the end of the day, this first call demonstrates that children are indeed the future, and ensuring their happiness and security now ensures a safer, healthier future for us all. The next call to action centers around ensuring that children stay in school. I found this call to action particularly interesting because while school is important for obvious educational benefits for a child, it can also have latent effects on providing children with a supervisor to watch over them and introducing them to peers, a key aspect of developing proper and secure social relationships. Like Dr. Warren and I talked about, oftentimes if an immediate family member such as a parent isn't available, it's still important for a child to have a responsible adult and responsible peers around them to develop a secure attachment. The next call urges policymakers to keep families together and grant children legal status. Again, this is really the hallmark of today's episode. Children need a family to properly develop in some sense, and I'm so glad UNICEF, a leading organization, is urging others to recognize that as well. The next three calls center around ending the detention of refugee and migrant children, combating any discrimination that they may receive and face, and protecting them from exploitation and violence. When reading all of these calls, it's easy to see how important that initial bond a child makes with a caregiver, usually their parent, really, truly is. And honestly, any relationship a child makes really is. John Bowlby certainly proved and pushed for an understanding on attachment theory, but now more than ever, we're seeing the severe mental and physical detriments a lack of secure attachment can put a child in. The first five years of life, and I would argue one's entire childhood years in general, are a crucial time to make secure bonds and attachments. It's important that we consider advocating for not only the security and safety of refugee children, but also ensure that they are making lasting, positive, and impactful bonds with their family and those around them in any way possible to ensure a brighter future, mental, and physical health for them. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review us in the comments below. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email us at seekingrefugepodcast at gmail.com or at our University of South Carolina email address, sosrpaat, mailbox.sc.edu. You can find us on social media at Refugee Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. The show is produced by undergraduate students at the University of South Carolina. Your hosts for this week are me, Isha Hegde, and this episode was edited and produced by me and Anusha Ghosh. Additional research was provided by UNICEF, and our executive producer is Aidan Thompson. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.